0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge. This is the official podcast of Bastos Television. Hey, did you know Bastos Television is on Wild TV in Canada right now? Well, it is. And you know what? In January, we'll be back on the Versus Network and run all the way through June. This is Outdoors Dan. I've got my good buddy here, Aaron Martin, standing by.
1: Aaron, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. What have you been up to this week? <laughs> oh, actually, I am dry docked. Uh, believe it or not, time flies. We checked uh, my little girl into preschool. She starts preschool this week.
0: Yeah, you just were after the cookies. Yeah, that's right.
1: Oh, yeah. I know how it goes. <laughs> get some hey, we got a great poca- <laughs> Do what? Get some continuing education. Well, there you go. Hey,
0: I know I need all the help <laughs> I can get. Hey, we got a great podcast this week, folks. We're going to have Rick Loomis on, and
1: you know, Aaron, I know you very are very familiar with Rick. Yeah, he is just—he's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal angler. He's a guy down on Lake Fork, but he's going to bring up a topic that I—I I know in my angling years I've never heard of, and it's talking about night fishing and using the shady side of the moon. So mm-hmm. it's—it's going to be well worth—well uh-huh. worth the wait. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, in addition to
0: Rick, we're going to have a, another segment with uh, Bass Edge editor Steve Brigman. Steve's going to have some very good interviews with some of the top companies in the fishing industry. So I know you all be looking forward to that, and. If that's not enough, don't forget we'll answer the listener email question and give away some great prizes to this week's lucky winner. And it's all right here on The Edge.
2: You're listening to The Edge, the
3: official audio program of Bass Edge. Uh Uh-oh,
1: look here, I got one, I got one. Look here. I mean he whacked that football jig.
4: The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that
1: bait. Oh good fish. Nice. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that soft gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable.
0: All right, welcome to the Edge Outdoors. Dan here. Aaron Martin's right over there. He, trust me, folks, I know this is radio, but he's standing right over there. Aren't you, Aaron? I am. I,
1: I am. Yep. You know what? Bass Ed's TV, where is it on right now? It is actually on the Wild TV Network in Canada and soon to be back on versus television uh, starting and, in January. See, I heard you were confusing all these Canucks up there because, see, they don't bass
0: fish. It's all walleye and crappie and lake trout and stuff like that. Hey, when, we're going to convert them. But I tell you, they do have, they have some of the best. Smallmouth fishing up there. Yeah, you know what? It's a hidden secret, but there's it, a lot of small It right, is. It is. I just can't go around saying hey all the time. <laughs> you know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know what? I understand. Uh, it was the first day of school for you and uh, your youngin.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't. You know, it just—it's one of those things that uh, you always heard your parents talk about, but uh, now I'm getting to experience it myself, and it's just making me feel a little older. So.
0: You know, it, it's kind of neat because you got the transition. I know my son's seven, and my daughter—you right? know, she's only eleven months, but. When Danny went first went to school, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the first time you put a fishing pole in their hand. or You know, that first time is always very special, and then after that, it's, it's still neat, but it doesn't make you cry as much. No, no. I, I, I don't go through as many tissues. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, because I've seen you crying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we, last week we talked a little bit about, I was going to put you on the spot and ask you, what was your favorite or your best top ten baits for fishing? Because, you, you know, people, they get so much stuff throwing them in the stores and on TV and, and everything else. If you absolutely were
1: limited to 10, what would they be? Boy, you love to put me on the spot, do I do. You're the pro, though. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, and, and you brought up a good point. You know, really, Dan, when when you go into any sporting goods store or tackle, tackle shop and you see all the bait categories and then take that another step further, all of the selections within each of those bait categories for individuals who are trying to just go out and go fishing and have success, it becomes very, very difficult. So what I did was, um, you know, I went through my top ten that I feel that regardless of where you're at, that you're going to have success with. And, you know, coming in, these are really in no particular order. They do have some rhyme or reason. But starting out with the crankbait category, you know, for throwing, uh, you know, targeting those deeper bass. Uh, I, I don't think you can go wrong with a DD-22. You know, I really love using those to hit that 14-foot that and beyond. You know, depending on your line size, you can get that down uh, to somewhere around 16, 17 feet. You know, then stepping up from there to target that, that 10 to 12-foot range. Which I, I'm going to, to select that Junior D, which that's a specialty tackle, made by a specialty tackle. Then going up into the more shallow, I love that Bandit 200 series uh, crankbait on that, that square bill. Uh, for you know, just targeting laydowns and and just more of the shallower bass. Then kind of from that, you know me, I love uh, I love throwing a drop shot. Growing up uh, on uh, Table Rock and and really targeting more the vertical, the clearer water. Uh, drop shots are just so so versatile. Uh, mm-hmm. You can cast them, you can fish them vertically, but uh, they've certainly produced a lot of fish. Then step up from that is going to be the Texas rig, you know, and what I like to put on that certainly the the plastic worm. But I've really found myself utilizing a lot of the creature baits. You know, there's a lot of them out there. Of course, Zoom has the brush hog, and then you've got the sweet beaver and different ones, and there's a gazillion brands. But bottom line, you know, putting that, that type of a creature bait that has those appendages coming off of it on a Texas rig, you know, that's just really deadly. Um, Carolina rig slash mojo rig, that comes into the same category. I love throwing that on, a, on a, say, you know, braid with uh, your swivel and your weight. And then attaching that to you know a lighter leader so that uh, that that bait is actually going to you're going to get that sensitivity uh, finesse worm or a trick worm something along those lines. And uh, for the top water, I'm going to have to throw in the buzz bait. I mean that is just such a great bait for being able to cover water, ferocious strikes. Uh, you can really get out there and use that as a search bait. Now are you Do- saying a buzz bait with or without a trailer? Um, you know, I don't throw a trailer hook a, a lot of times on, on a buzzbait just because of the style that I'm going to be fishing it. I'm throwing across laydowns, limbs, you know, that type of thing. And the downside to a trailer hook is that when you're you're bringing it actually across cover, it's going to get snagged a lot. You know, if I'm having a lot of problems uh, getting fish to hook up on it, I may go to a trailer, but normally a buzzbait is such a reactionary strike. When they go after it, uh, the bigger fish, you know, they're going to they're get it and they're going to get hooked up on it right. Okay, so, um, but that's a great question.
0: Well, I just so, thought I'd ask. That's right.
1: And then, you know, in my opinion, you can't, you cannot rule out the shaky head. This is a bait uh, and a style of fishing that you can really just take almost anywhere. And whether the fish are pressured or in the springtime in the fall, uh, you know, it's just you can fish it shallow. You can fish it deep off drop drop offs. Uh, around ledges, I mean anything. This bait is will will absolutely produce fish. And then finally, the top two that I named is going to be a 3 8 ounce spinner bait and a double willow silver and gold blade combination, and white and chartreuse are going to be my colors there. Well, last but not least, are going to be the jig category. Two in particular that I name that I throw a lot, a lot of times is going to be one for fishing deeper. Is going to be that football jig, and that's mm-hmm. the, that has to do with the style of the head and the three-quarter ounce. My favorite color there is going to be a brown uh, with a green emerald flash and then finally that spider jig uh, in about the 516 ounce model that's a round ball head uh, a little bit smaller profile tip that with just a uh, kind of like a craw trailer or a pocket chunk something along those lines so
0: okay now if i had to take eight of those away what would be your top two
1: uh jig the jig yeah probably a jig and a shaky head okay yep well, uh, then, i'd say know, that would be a close second with it let me let me preface that by saying a close <laughs> second with a drop shot <laughs> see
0: i was i was sitting there going oh, wait a minute i uh, why are why isn't the drop shot number one but that's okay uh,
1: well you're, it's, you know, you're the pro uh, that's right um uh, you know let me let me just let me put the the shaky head kind of in there or the drop shot rather in there kind of with the, the category of the of the shaky head okay so. all right well see i think you did
0: a very good job you had Ten very, very good bait choices there, and I think that'll help a lot of people with their tackle selection for uh, many months to come. You know, and if
1: people have questions, be, be sure to shoot us some some emails on that. We'll be happy to go into some additional reasons why, but that's kind of more or less the 30 seconds or less version. So. Well, you
0: did good. Hey, I can't believe it, but we need to run and take a break. When we come back, folks, we're going to be visiting not only with Aaron, but with Rick Loomis, and we're going to have some other great stuff right here on the Edge.
5: Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard.
3: It's simple to install, and we can
5: now beach our boat anywhere.
1: If you own a boat, you need one of these.
5: MegaWare Keel Guard
2: protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps.
3: Get started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
2: Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
5: sitting here on the shores of lake fork texas it's august and it's hot and i'm with rick loomis uh guide and owner of loomis lodge and lake fork guide service uh rick and i got out on the water a little while today to try to catch some uh bass on some jigging spoons but uh it's getting hot and rick tells me he's going to start fishing at night soon which is one of his specialties uh it's a little different year for you this year isn't it rick
4: yeah steve you know we've uh we went through uh, June and July was actually cool, and uh, usually we start night fishing the first of July because we can fish during the days up until to the end of June and catch deep fish, and and of course that's what we try to do this morning too. But you know we've had such a cool cool summer that it just really got hot in the last seven or eight days, so we're probably going to swap over and start night fishing now.
5: Contrast for me, Rick, uh, your approach to, to fishing uh, summer bass during the daylight hours and at night.
4: Well, really, I like to fish deep water during the day. You know, I'm out there on the deep humps and uh, catching these fish in about 30 foot of water. Uh, and there's a lot of good fish out there. And I think if the, the next lake record will be caught out there, so hopefully, you know, somebody in my boat might catch that fish. But, do, too, when you switch over and start night fishing, you're going to usually go shallow you're going to get up there, because them fish are going to probably feed real early in the morning. They're probably going to suspend during the day, uh, because the water tends about 90 degrees, 89, 90 degrees. They'll be suspended, and then later in the afternoon they'll feed a little bit, but once it gets dark and that temperature cools a little bit, then they may get a little more aggressive and start cruising around, moving up and around the grass beds. So, uh, lots of times we'll move up there and keep our boat. It's really kind of a deal where you have to search out each night, because it may be one night that your boat's in six foot of water and these fish have moved up in three foot of water and you're catching them. The next night you might not get a bite in three foot of water and you move back out to 12 foot and you start catching them in six foot. So it's kind of a, uh, uh, you have to kind of hunt them to start, but once you start getting a couple bites, you kind of get it figured out what depth you need to be fishing. But but then fish may bite two or three times, feed two or three times during the night.
5: Are there particular uh, sections of a lake uh, that you look for Shallow water, I mean, are you looking in the backs of the coves or out of the main lake points? Just talk to me about that. Really
4: what you want to try to do is, uh, one of the key areas is closer to deep water. Uh, I don't think you're going to have fish come out of, say, 30 foot of water to cruise up in eight foot of water. That's probably not going to happen. Their air bladder will not let them do that. make that kind of move. But you do have fish that may be staging right there where that deep deep water does fall off because during the day, they may it may go from 12 foot to 24 foot, and then fish that, that are there in 12 foot may swim out and suspend during the day out there in that deeper water, and then move up there to fish, but or to feed. But a lot of places that you really want to look is, is what you call funnels, where you've got Uh, a bank that runs down through there and if you actually drew a straight line you might be in 8 foot and then all of a sudden it falls off in 14 foot and then you come back up in 8 foot and 14 foot or drops off in 12 foot so you've got pass and really funnels for these fish that are suspended they'll come up and get in one of them funnels and they'll start cruising the, the contour line and moving through there to feed so you could be sitting inside one of them funnels and have a group of fish come up there during the night to feed inside there uh and i know we have a lot of vegetation here on lake fork uh, how key is that it's a, it's a big key it'll hold actually that grass will hold a schools of fish where you know we went through quite a few years where we lost all the grass on lake fork and uh now a lot of it's coming back and we got a lot of mill foil uh and, and not as much hydrilla but uh of course the hydrilla is really a lot better grass to fish and a lot easier to fish but uh you know, you start having these grass beds, you can put a school of fish in them grass beds, whereas if you don't have the grass, all them fish break up and you got a fish on a stump, you got a fish on a rock, you know, that kind of deal. But when you've got these grass beds, you may have 15 or 20 fish that moves into that grass bed to feed. Of course, and, and uh, all growing up, uh, as we grew up, we were told to, to fish uh,
5: darker baits in darker situations. Uh, do, do you find that to be true in night fishing?
4: I've, you know, I... I I've heard color doesn't matter, and I, you know, I, I've fished a lot that uh, I've got one guy fishing a red shad worm and another guy fishing a blue fleck worm, and one guy catches 10 fish and another guy catches one. Is it the presentation? Is it is it the worm itself? Is that guy that much of a better fisherman? You know, I think it does matter. I think I've seen where uh, colors at night... Uh, you know, like I say, I could start off with three different colors on a 10 inch worm and maybe one starts catching them and we swap over and everybody may start catching them. So I, I mean, me personally, I think color does matter. I think, uh, uh, you know, there's, I, I'm not a big believer, you, you know, you, you, till t- you're talking about like uh, on a full moon, I, I really don't like fishing on a full moon. For one thing is you have a tremendous amount more people out there because it's so easier to see. And I think that's the reason lots of times that maybe fish are caught on a full moon whereas we do it, we have a really good night on a new moon or less but I don't have 85% more people out there fishing if you know what I'm trying to say right. there will be fish caught on a full moon but I don't do as well on a full moon but you have 10 times the amount of fishermen out there on a full moon that's cuz they can see better they can get around the lake better with a full moon you know and they're not you're not going to have that on a new moon when it's dark well, and
5: and I know me and you, you and I were fishing. Uh, gosh, two more years ago than I want to admit, uh, but uh, we found fish. We were fishing on a bright moon, uh, and we found fish on the shady side of an island. Right. And talk to me about that. That was a big surprise to me at that time.
4: Well, you know what's the deal? I kind of I kind of use the moon just like the sun. You know, I mean, I think early in the mornings where you're fishing a bank, if you're going to be shallow. And you're, you you can get a few extra minutes in on a on a bank where that sun's coming up and it has the shade on it, and uh, then you are when, on the opposite side of the lake where the sun starts hitting it right after the beginning. And I think it's the same way when you have a moon at night; it, it's it's still got that shade and that shadow on the water. And I th- I just think the fish feel more comfortable in that than they do just a big bright like just the sun shining. Relating it to the moon too at night, so. I, I know you were kind of surprised, but we even talked about that, you know, and then all of a sudden we caught a few fish doing that, so. And uh, let's talk about baits. Uh, what What are some of your favorites and, and uh,
5: do you use a wide variety of baits at night, like say you would during the day, or do you have a few favorites? Or, or talk to me about that. Really,
4: my, you know, my favorite bait is, is either a jig, you know, or a uh, a big worm, especially on Lake Fork. I mean, we're trying to catch quality fish or even a, a you know a really big fish, so it's not a deal where you're trying to finesse these fish with little bitty baits at night. I mean, you got to move some water. You want that bait to be big enough too, to where it will entice a big fish to bite it, saying it, you know, hey, that's that's big enough. I can get that. And I may not have to feed the rest of the night. It's a big bait. Uh, of course, you know, setting the hook on these fish over here, you can throw spinner baits at night. You can throw top water. Uh, I think the majority of your your quality fish will come off of a big ten-inch worm, a big crawl worm, or a jig, big jig. Okay, you'll you'll you run into a lot of
5: guys that'll tell you you catch bigger fish at night. First, true or false? Second,
4: why? Uh, true. I mean, it d- depending on the, I mean, of course, the time of year. I mean, you know, I I think that once it gets hot, these big fish get lazy. They're going to suspend a lot, so I think that they're going to use their energy more at night. So you tend to see uh, your quality weight go up compared to day fishing in July and August to night fishing, of course. Well Rick, you know one thing that struck me about when I, about you and, and fishing with
5: you were some of the precautions you took, let's say unrelated to fishing, uh, that, that, that I felt was so valuable uh well like night go- like goggles at night when you're running the lake right. just talk to me about that a little bit about some of the adjustments that you make just to just to uh uh be safe and have a good time on the lake
4: well you know in the state of texas and i'm sure probably every other state you know you you, you actually have to have lights on your boat on all night long so uh one thing i've actually done is try to if you have your your anchor light back there when you're running uh, you know you have to have a light 365 degrees so what I do is actually take it that really has helped is just like a, a mountain dew bottle and, and it's got that green tint to it and I'll just cut the top off of it and I put it over my regular light it knocks the glare off it still can be seen you know all the way around the lake but the guy fishing in the back of the boat doesn't have that glare and that's one of one of the few things too that my guys that night fish with me that do night fish have picked up on hey this is a great idea because if you're in the back of the boat and you turn to look at the light it's the glare is killing you you know the other thing is the worst thing that could happen to you is running down the lake and a bug hits you in the eye at night and it just ruins your whole night you're through so you know we put goggles on and lots of times I'll tell my guys to put their sunglasses on when we're running um, uh, you know just to get popped in the in the in the eye going and, and over here too we can run the lake. You know, pretty good at night. I'm I'm sure you were surprised at you know how we got around the lake. (laughs) He's Uh, downright scary, (laughs) but but yeah, that could that could just mess your whole night up. So little deals like that, and and you always want to just be you know super careful. If you if you not night fish very much, what you want to do is just pick you an area out and just stay in that area. And that goes back to where I was talking about where you've got a lot of drops, maybe deeper water, shallow water, so you can go in there and just hey, if I'm going to plan on fishing all night. I'm not going to move around a lot. I'm going to just work this area and stay back and forth until you start learning the lake and, and finding areas that, uh, you know, it is dangerous out there at night, and you can get turned around, and you can think you're somewhere else um, and end up, you know, tearing something up. So, you know, it's it's always best to be really careful. Uh, you don't want to fall out of your boat at night, especially on Lake Fork, because you know, there's plenty of wood to land on here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, Rick, you're such a nice
5: guy, and I know you've towed an awful lot of guys in at night. Just talk to me about some of the boat precautions that you that, that people s- seem to sort of just not think of that
4: are different at night. Well, you know, one thing is, uh, one big difference is, if you're going to run that light all night, you, your batteries better be really in good shape. Because with them lights on and running, you know, uh, I've seen plenty of times where guys get out here and their cranking battery goes down, you know, they stay on the trolling motor all night, they're not going to run very much. So you really need good batteries, keep them charged up, uh, there's nothing worse than getting out there and get to catching fish and all of a sudden your batteries go down. And, and the other thing is have a good light, you know, you need a couple of good flashlights in the boat the other, and, and a good Q-beam because if you get out there and do get in trouble and somebody tries to come find you, you know, a good Q-beam can go a long ways and, and kind of point you out. And, and you're right we have pulled guys in at night that you know the batteries have run down they've run actually run out of gas Been out there and because what you tend to do is if you don't know the lake very well you're going to idle a lot so hey we're going to move from here to over there but i'm not going to run my boat out here so i'm going to idle and idle and idle and may not have as much gas as they think they did and run out of gas so and a lot of times it's hard to find gas on the lake at night oh yeah yeah. And, and the other deal is most of your lakes, most of your mar- mar- marinas are closed. So, you, I mean, you, you really need to carry you like a little safety kit if you get cut or something because on Lake Fork, uh, there's really nothing open. I mean, if you catch an 18-pound bass, I mean, we can call somebody and get them to get up for an 18-pounder. But if you do catch a big bass like that, I mean, really on Lake Fork, there's nothing open at night to even, uh, you know, we're probably 8 or 10 miles from the closest doctor uh, or even a store that would be open at, at you know, 1 o'clock in the morning. And, of course, uh, I, I know that uh, we have a lot of uh, folks that
5: uh, uh, from our part of the country and even further north than that that come down to Fish Lake Fork, and uh, just because the sun's down doesn't mean the Texas heat doesn't need to be, that you don't need to pay attention to the Texas heat.
4: Oh, yeah. We, you know, even uh, a few years ago, uh, I was picking my customers up at 7.30 in the afternoon, it would be 103 and so you know it it cooled down to like 99 and it was just terrible so you need plenty of water gatorade you know uh it, it was kind of strange that uh even at one or two o'clock in the morning you're actually still breaking a sweat out here in this kind of heat and we had not gone through that this year because of the cooler weather that we've had but you know in the last eight or ten days it's got pretty serious to where we're having 100 degree days now and uh you know actually this morning when we got off the lake at probably 10 o'clock it was probably getting close to up in the 90s high 90s it was uh, a hot day today rick and i'll tell you
5: what it made me want. it made me long for those old days when you and i used to get on the lake and and, and fish at night well rick i I sure appreciate you spending some time with us today join us on bassedge.com for this and other stories
0: rick loomis from lake fork texas and he totally i i'm confused you know that doesn't shady, that's
1: not that's not hard to do
0: but i know it's not <laughs> the shady side of the moon uh i know moon phases play a lot of uh variances in hunting uh you know i know that uh i when i go bow hunting i definitely look at the more the moon phases for buck movements and stuff i had
1: no idea it was this prevalent in fishing well it is and you know a lot of, you, you probably heard of the solar lunar tables, which that's the same thing, you know, that trans, translates over into the hunting side. Mm-hmm. And we did an article not too long ago on, you know, more of the sun and, and how that impacts and then the carryover of the moon. But that's that was mainly targeted towards daytime fishing. And, and the interesting spin that he put on it is how he talked about, you know, using that moon in the phase that the moon is in when you're night fishing he will go after, you know, the shady side of the structure or an island or the shoreline and fish it just like he does during the day, and I had never heard of that, and, and I, well, I just think it, it makes total sense. Yeah, well, I, it does make
0: great sense. I, you know, one of the things that kind of surprised me, though, when he said he was fishing at night in the 3 to 12-foot range, you know, I would think bass or any kind of predator fish would be more staging shallower in the evenings because the the
1: the baitfish are up shallower than that aren't they well and that's that's why he said he's going to target you know more of the shallow he's he's staying close to deeper water because especially like right now you know i mean we've had a heat wave across uh, the whole country and it's it's mm-hmm. been hot relative to where you're at um, but he'll start out, and, he's, and he starts out by trying to hunt and, and search and find out where those staging areas are. And let's say if you start out early evening, you know, those fish may have just started to move up or maybe they're still staging right on the edge of that, gra- that deeper grass line or that, that bluff or that ridge or, you know, whatever the structure is. But then as the night progresses, as that the water temperature begins to cool down surface-wise or those bait fish become active, you know, those fish are going to seek out uh, to feed. And one of the things that he pointed out is that, you know, bass may often feed a couple times during the course of a night, where in the daytime, you know, they're going to be a little more lethargic, uh, probably mm-hmm. not quite as active. But he really will follow the migration of those bass on the on the bait fish. And uh, once he gets those dialed in, it's lights out. Yeah.
0: You know, it's kind of neat that they were, he was concentrating on, you know, the bigger baits because they did place more, displace more water. So you got more, vibration or movement in the water, a lot of people, I don't think, think of that in night fishing.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's another good point. You know, in the daytime when, obviously, visibility, um, whether it be clear or dirty water, you know, light plays does play an impact um, on a bass's responsiveness to a particular bait. But if you think about it at night, you know, that factor is kind of greatly reduced uh you know especially if you're under the dark of the moon so therefore what he is saying is he uses the size of the bait and of course you know naturally with him being on lake fork you know the lake that is known for producing large bass but really any lake like he brought up he wants to make sure that that water displacement that that vibration uh, and that feeling that the bass are picking up off that lateral line by using that bigger bait he feel like feels like that he is increasing his odds of, of getting bit
0: Yeah, well, concentrating on grass lines, I think with no matter what kind of fish you're after, that's a good strategy. Right, right. So that's pretty neat. Well folks, I tell you what, we need to take another break. When we come back, it's gonna be my favorite part of the podcast as always, the product giveaway and listener emails. So keep it right here and we'll be right back on the
2: edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the Tow & Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow & Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH.
3: Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge.
0: All right, we're back on the edge, and it's time to award this week's lucky winner. Aaron, I know this is always one of your favorite parts as well as mine.
1: Definitely. I love giving stuff away.
0: This week's lucky winner is Frank from Folsom, Pennsylvania, and he wins a complete line of Mother's products. Now, what are Mother's products? Is it like jams,
1: jellies, stuff? Uh, It switches to basically discipline you when you've been bad no mother's <laughs> product is a <laughs> it's a it's a full line of uh for both automobile and also uh marine line they just came out with that new marine line which is uh i mean it's just fantastic uh for taking care and detailing uh, both interior and exterior of your automobile and boat. And it's
0: oh, you were telling you know what you were telling me about this a month ago. This these stuff that you say that stuff works really well.
1: Oh, it does, and that's that's really how we got introduced to them. Is because a lot of us here at Bass Edge actually used them before Bass Edge was even about, and uh, you know that's that's kind of our mission. We want to get uh, be able to get that into people's hands that uh, we think it's we think it's great stuff.
0: Well, there you go. Hey, this week's question is from
1: Jason in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, you want to take that, sir? Sure, sure. He, Jason brought in a, uh, a really good question because, quite honestly, it's one of the same problems that I have. But uh, we're, we're going to try and shed some light on it. And basically what Jason stated was, I throw a lot of soft plastic frogs and have trouble getting the fish in the boat. Any suggestions? I'm. You, you ever throw a frog much, Dan? Uh, you know what? I
0: started doing that last year... Very shallow top water, mm-hmm. and um, you, Aaron, you got to forgive me because I don't remember the correct terminology for the hook, but it's the it's the two hooks right. that go on the sides of the frog. Mm-hmm. What is that called?
1: Yeah, it's probably either the Spro brand or uh, um, it's got the uh, like words. It's, it's, it's a got, got the bottom. one shank, but mm-hmm. it breaks off into two separate hooks. Right. Yep, yep.
0: And yeah. you know what? It, it's amazing to me the explosiveness of those bass up on the on the weed beds when you're when you're just toting that frog
1: along. They just go crazy, and, uh,
0: I, you know, I've had I've had relatively good hook sets with
1: them, one yeah. Now, you know, Jason is throwing, He's what he's referring to is a little bit different style, and this one is going to be, well, there's several companies that Mazoom makes one, Stanley makes the, the infamous Ribbit, which I throw that a lot, uh-huh. um, but this is the single version where you have to rig it Texas style. Wait a minute, and, wait a minute. Did you just say Ribbit? That's right. Come. Give me a break. <laughs> that's what it's called. I didn't. The, hey, a I, I don't come up with the names, man. I just use this stuff.
0: All right. I apologize uh, right. for interrupting, but I had to hear that again.
1: So, anyways, rig Texas rig with no weight in front of it. Um, but the thing is to you know to try and help Jason out because you're dealing with a single hook, and a lot of times most of the hooks that's used is probably about a five Um But I really like throwing that frog on braid because of the uh, you know there's there's not a lot of stretch, and when mm-hmm. you're fishing grass or lily pads. Uh, that you're throwing this frog over, often you're making very, very long casts. And as you well know, the more line that you get out, especially if you're using mono or something like that, more stretch. you're going to have more stretch. So therefore, right. when you rear back on that and try and set that hook, you're not going to get that hook penetrated. The other thing is to make sure that on that hook that you're using, uh, you can use just a regular hook out of the package uh, that you would for any other type Texas rig bait. However, they they make a special... Uh, weighted frog hook and it has a little bit of a weight on the belly of the hook and what that allows that to do is that frog to run through the water right side up so that the hook point is actually pointing up towards the sky that way when that fish bites down on that that hook point is going to go into the top of its mouth so that's another key for him to take into consideration if he hasn't been if Jason hasn't been using those that's definitely one thing that I would recommend the other thing and as hard as what this is to do is try hesitating. When you see that explosion, you know, the first thing you want to do, and a lot of times it's hard for your brain to override, you know, your reflex, but it's just to pause. Let that let that fish just grab onto that and just pull that under for a split second and then set the hook because if they come up and they bust on that and maybe they only grab, you know, the back end or the, the legs of the frog, you know, when they go under, they can, those fish are so fast that they can suck that in even more once once they grab a hold of that. So give it just a second, then rear back on it, you know, put the juice to it, set the hook, and hopefully that is going to help him increase uh, his hook set. Another tip that I want to pass on to him is, you know, baits these days, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times on those, that style of, of frog, you're going to blow the noses out of them uh, once you start getting bit. And I call them a one, you know, one fish bait. Take uh, some like some pro soft bait glue or uh, you know, some super glue or, or something like that. Glue those noses back together and you can reuse them a lot of times. But bottom line, the frog, man, that is such a fun bait, but they're also prone to losing fish. So hopefully that helps, Jason. Yeah, I, I'm going to go out and run and get me a brand new
0: shirt that says I use ribbits <laughs> <laughs> Ribbit.
1: That's your new nickname. Uh,
0: I, 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 you know, that just shows me how uninformed in fishing I've become. I got to start putting my nose in the fishing owl more. There you go. It's crazy, Ribbit. Hey, folks, don't forget to send in a question or comment about ribbits or anything else you want to talk about, <laughs> and you will be fishing in the weekly related, drawing. Of course.
1: Do what? Fishing related, of course. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah, fishing
0: related. They know what we're talking about. <laughs> if you uh, do that, you will be in the weekly drawing. Simply send an email to podcast at BassEdge.com dot com with your name and address in the body of the email, and uh, we'll hook you up. No pun intended. Hey, we need to take our final break, and when we get back, Aaron and I will be joining uh, Bass Edge editor Steve Brigman and he's going to have some more great reports from the ICAST show right here on the Edge.
4: When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling one
5: 390
2: 8780 or online at CooksGoTo.com.
5: Okay, I'm here at the uh, New Product Showcase at, uh, at ICAST in Las Vegas, and I'm visiting with uh, John Guerin of Minda, Minda Lures, and, uh, and I've been taking a look at the, his injured Minda uh, lure, and I've been kind of fascinated with it. Can you just sort of tell me about that bait, John?
2: The injured Minda is actually designed to emulate an injured or dying fish. The actual line passes through the body of the tail, of the body, and ties to the tail. Therefore, you're actually moving the tail and not the body. Uh, Small taps on your line actually make the tail flip or flop on top of the water. Uh, It's actually emulating an injured fish, a dying fish, or what we call the grasshopper effect. Okay. Which means when the grasshopper is thrown in the water, the rings from a grasshopper is actually a sound wave that travels down in the water. So what you're after is something that actually calls the fish.
5: Now, John is sitting here tapping this line. He's got this line tight, and it runs through the bait into the tail, and he's just tapping it with his finger, and this tail is fl- flipping. This is a bait that you basically use standing still, yes.
2: sitting still on yeah, the water. It's made to fish sitting still. You actually cast it out, drill up your slack, and then you're just tapping on the line with the end of your pole. Okay. And you can tap a little bit harder and actually dive down and float back up. Like some fish, when they're injured, they'll shoot back down in the water and then come floating back up to the surface. Okay, and it does have a lip. Yes, it's so, actually so, it? you, so you can you know dive and then... It is I a guess, crankbait. It is a crankbait. It can actually be cranked. So if you crank slow, hold, you hold your rod tip up high, okay. the tail just wakes on the surface.
5: Okay, and I guess we, we could co- combine those actions. Sink him and then yes. flick the tail and do a number of things. Uh, and you just came out with this bait, this bait. Is it
2: on the market? It's just now coming out on the market.
5: Okay, okay. What, uh, what colors and sizes and that we sort of thing? We have
2: seven colors. And uh, one size at this time, we're creating, creating a, this is a 4-inch version. We'll have a 6-inch and a 9-inch coming first year.
5: Okay. And and this 4-inch version, that's probably your primary bass
2: yes. lure. Well, I've had people with my little 4-inch bass bait catch 50-pound tarpon with it. Yeah. And some big redfish, so. Okay. We're doing real well with it.
5: Well, that's a great-looking bait. Uh, I appreciate your time, John. Thank you, sir. Have a good day now. Well, we're here in Vegas at the 2007 ICAST show, and, and I've stopped by the uh, uh, Wave Worm booth. I'm visiting with uh, Brian Duplichane here, uh, lead bait designer for the company. And, Brian, I see that you, you've got a new bait on the market. Can you, can you tell me about your new
6: Tiki Gorilla? Yes, sir. Our Tiki Gorilla is five inches long, and it's super bulky. It has uh, six legs coming off of it, and every one of them has a paddle on the end of it. So uh, now we have a lot of things going on, a lot of movement, and a lot of vibration going through the water. You know, bass feed by three senses, sense of smell, sight, and vibration. And we know for a fact that, number one, that primary uh, uh, sense of uh, feeding is by sight. That's why bass have such big eyes. And with the Tiki Gorilla and those six legs, actually four legs and two tails with all the paddles have a lot of movement. So now we're catching their eyes. Number two, when you pull this bait through the water, you'll you'll feel the bait actually pulling through the water. It'll actually bend your rod tip a little bit because those paddles are catching so much water and moving such a large volume of water, therefore creating a lot of vibration in the water and, again, catching their attention. Talk to me a little bit about maybe some of the applications out
5: uh, on the water, how you'd see... Uh, an angler uh, fishing this particular bait.
6: Well, there's actually several ways to fish this new gorilla. One, of course, it's an excellent pitching and flipping bait. You know, a a quarter ounce weight to an ounce and a half weight, you know, if you want to punch the heavy mats of grass, hydrilla, coontail, or whatever. Or if you want to Carolina rig it, make great Carolina rigging bait. The one way I like to fish it a lot, and I just discovered here just the other day, I flipped the bait over in a heavy mat of hydrilla, didn't get a bite, so I'm reeling it up to make another cast, but the bait is actually skipping across the mat. Boom, a fish blew up on it. So ding, this bell went out of my head. Right, right. So I got my weightless worm rod out, got a five-volt hook, no weight, Texas rigged it, you know, with no weight, threw it out there and started buzzing across the water like a buzz bait, and all those paddles and legs were making all this noise, they were just coming up and crushing it. So weightless buzzing on top of the water is one. Texas rig. Carolina rig and also a drop shot rig. Great.
5: Well, thanks so much, Brian. Thank you. I'm at the booth of uh, E21 Fishing, and they've had a really uh, big show here, uh, taking best o- best of show overall with their rod, best saltwater and freshwater rod. I'm, si- I'm visiting here with Ken Whiting, who designed those rods. Can you tell me what sets your rods a- uh, apart from the others that that uh, prompted people to vote for you?
3: Well, I think I think the biggest thing is the uh, the fact that this year's show we introduced probably uh, the most revolutionary uh, advance in uh, broad material technology uh, that we've seen in in probably forty years. Uh, a couple of gentlemen from Scotland uh, who are process engineers uh, developed a. Uh, a way of processing uh, carrots like uh, the carrots that you and I eat every day uh, into uh, a material uh, that legitimately can be used uh, to manufacture fishing rods. Uh, It's done by uh, uh, processing, and I don't want to lose you on this, but by processing the carrot down into its nano level, which is a size, it's nano-level cellulose biofiber and then taking that biofiber and back mixing it into a water-based epoxy which is then in turn applied to a very thin wall uh, uh, unidirectional graphite blank placed into a mold and molded into a rod blank and then we they, we would take the rod blank that comes out of that process and uh, uh, send that over to the Rod Factory, who turn it into some of the best-looking rods I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the the Rod Factory did a fabulous job. Uh, the guys in Scotland have done a, a fabulous job with the with the uh, creation of the uh, the process. And basically, all I've done is taken that process and applied it to a a series of rods, and uh, that people uh, that people could see the value in. Well, well,
5: Ken, I'll be honest, you did lose me a little bit there on the, on the technology. Uh, talk to me just about the performance of the rod. Uh, what, will, what will the everyday fisherman notice about your rod out the water?
3: Okay. Um, for those of you who in the past have, have been uh, uh, appreciative of uh, a lot of the performance characteristics of uh, glass, you're going to see that come back, come back to a rod Minus one thing, and that is the weight. Glass rods are beautiful rods for various applications uh, uh, relative to lures. But to go out and fish a glass rod all day long, you come home feeling like your arm is going to fall off. Specific gravity for one thing of glass is about 3.2, and that's a number. Okay, The specific gravity of the current material... Uh, is 1.4 that means we're going to lose about 53% of the weight that glass would have if it was an all glass rod and bring that down to a level of a rod that has functional glass properties at the weight of graphite that is going to be one killer rod especially for things like top water crankbaits absolutely fabulous it, it, it sounds like a great rod I can't, I can't wait to get my
5: hands on one I see over there that I, I even see a fly rod among a lot of other reels tell me about you have a pretty complete line here can you tell me just a little bit about uh, your, your line
3: yeah first of all I kind of like to like to say that we were lucky enough to uh, uh, be able to bring Boyd Duckett on board who's the uh, uh, 37th uh, Bassmaster Classic winner and uh, and in conjunction with Boyd and spending a lot of time with Boyd uh, out on the tournament trail and, and uh, working over some of the uh, uh, design characteristics and features of the rods, we were able to come up with two additional designs that are based on a, uh, a rod concept that I uh, started back in 2002 uh, and, and are bringing those into the product mix under the uh, uh, boy Ducket edge name and the boyd Ducket uh, classic gold series uh, those rods are not carrots uh, but is there a potential for it to be certainly there is down the pike uh, those two rods just fill uh, uh, a little different uh, uh, void in the uh, uh, company and uh, will give us a, a pretty solid Overall bass, walleye, and uh, inshore line to uh, start the company up with. Uh, another thing we were lucky enough to do, which it was I have to say, was quite a surprise, and that was uh, we'd never gotten into the saltwater side of things before. Uh, decided to take a look at a, a, a kind of an untouched portion of uh, the saltwater market, which was uh, lightweight and ultra lightweight uh, surf rods. Not rods that would cast four to six or ten ounces of uh, a lead uh, out there, but uh, a surf rod that uh, you could throw live bait on and it wouldn't throw off. Uh, a surf rod that you could throw three-quarters of a, an ounce to an ounce and a half on and just slam it out there a mile and a quarter. Uh, and that rod was very well accepted.
5: Okay, now E21 uh, was originally a golf a golf club company. Is that-
3: yeah. Well, the, the parent company still is a is a, uh, a golf company, but uh, for those of you who fish, uh, many of you have uh, your secondary pastime or maybe your primary uh, as golf. And there's a lot of golfers that fish, and there's a lot of fishermen that golf. And so when we started e21 e21 Fishing Division up, uh, we started it up because of that overlap in the relationship between uh, the two sports the two hobbies. What
5: about the technologies? Uh, between? Or is there any connection in the, in the technologies that you use in rod making and, and building golf clubs?
3: Uh, some of the shaft designs that I've done, and I have been involved in, in golf design, uh, shaft design, as well as uh, the rod designs. Uh, yeah, there's some technology transfer there, especially in, in some shafts that I did a number of years ago that uh, involved utilizing more than one uh, type of material in the in the shaft where we we were able to combine graphite with uh, titanium and uh, graphite with uh, scandium, mm-hmm. which is the uh, base material that uh, E21 has developed uh, uh, their line of clubs off of. Uh, whether or not we'll be able to uh, bring scandium into the rods, we have a few ideas along that line in, mm-hmm. in particular areas. Uh, the one interest The one area of interest is uh, the dampening qualities of the carrot material are going to uh, bring about a real interesting situation with golf shafts in as much as we feel like we can reduce the vibration. We have a, a tremendous vibration dampening situation now with the shafts called shock block but the application of the carrot material to the golf shafts should give us very close to the Holy Grail of golf, which is a vibration-free, a vibration-free shaft. Well, Ken Wang I sure appreciate it. Uh,
5: best of show! Congratulations,
0: Aaron. You know, Steve did
1: another great job, and that Cast show—what a plethora of information! That's a big word for you. Uh, yeah, good. no, you're right. It's—I've been in this this industry uh, for quite a while, and had the opportunity to go to several of those, and it's just really, really neat to see how the industry continues to put the, push the envelope. Uh, both in quality but also just with regards to their environmental concern and, uh, you know, trying to attract young people into the sport, so.
0: Yeah, well, you know what, there's a lot of different uh, conservation organizations out there. Their main emphasis is getting kids involved in fishing and hunting and just in outdoor activities, and I really encourage everyone to do that because I think everyone's quality of life is going to improve by 100%. If you could just take some time... And either put a rod in a kid's hand or a bow or whatever, and just get them outdoors.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about the experience. Uh, you know, we like to talk about how much we can or cannot catch, but bottom line, what it comes down to, is just you know spending quality quality time in the outdoors.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, know you got anything exciting going on this week? Are you still dry dock, or are you uh, guys our you going to well, work? Part for of our
1: crew actually going to be down at the uh, NASCAR race in uh, Virginia, so yeah. uh, you'll see the one of the boats uh, out and about there. So
0: it's all good. There, there you go. Well, folks, we're out of time again, but in the meantime, if you want more information about Bass Edge TV or The Edge or everything that's involved with Bass Edge, all you have to do is just go to the Aaron Martin Shrine at www.bassedge.com. That's www.bassedge.com, and everything's right there, including Aaron's email and contact information. And I know that they email you, you're going to get right back to them.
1: Of course, of course, of course. Don't be surprised if we don't have a... uh picture of you up on there since that comment well it would only improve things (laughs) so anyway (laughs) all right we gotta get out
0: of here hey for outdoors dan he's Aaron martin we'll see you next time and thank you for listening to the edge
2: this week's edition of bass edges the edge has been brought to you by b and w trailer hitches cook's tackle management systems locker
3: bar boat security systems and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e newsletter, and
2: podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.